This is Pop Fiction Women. I'm Corinne. I'm Kate. And we're complicated. Blunt. Total boss. But sometimes a mess. Opinionated. But never boring. And in this podcast, we're discussing the complicated women of the best books, TV, and movies. Along with the complicated women behind the scenes. Warning, lots of spoilers ahead. So come back when you're done. Hurry up, it's starting. We are talking about Fleabag today. I'm so excited for this episode. I've been waiting for it. I'm so excited that you are excited about the show. Since I forced you to have to watch it. You did, but like everything you've ever forced me to read or watch, (laughs) I've never been disappointed. And I'm definitely not disappointed this time. Okay, good. Well, so Fleabag is our complicated woman. She gets the highest rating. Absolutely. For me, she shows all of the conflict that I crave. It's not just checks and boxes of a complicated woman. She's always got conflict at the tip of her tongue, right? And in her personality, too. She's funny. She's angry. She's in your face. But as you know, she's also hiding. She's modern and liberated, but she's also repressed. She's never boring. She's mean, but she's also so caring. She's confident, but she's hiding deep insecurities. Mm -hmm. I I mean, this is the kind of conflict. And all of this in six episodes, 30 minutes? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Phoebe, we're going to get to Phoebe a little later, but my gosh, she's just brilliant. I mean, we talked about how Sally Albright in When Harry Met Sally was the prototype for the complicated female, right? Our OG, the original. Yes, yes. And Nora Ephron was our trailblazing female screenwriter. Mm -hmm. But Fleabag, the character, is for me the epitome of the modern complicated female. She's damaged but endearing. She's fucked up but for good reason. Mm. She owns her sexuality She's mm-hmm, yes. often too blunt, but yet, as you said, she's she's caring and compassionate and mm-hmm. finds humor. And I think the way that Nora Ephron brought us the classic rom-com, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is bringing us the tragic com. And I think yeah. the timing couldn't be more perfect for that, right? In my view, yes. this is exactly what we all need right now, which is obviously yes. why it's had such success and Emmy Awards and... And, yes. and such popularity, because I think that's what people are responding to. I mean, I'll go yeah. one step further and say, I think she is the most complicated female protagonist we're discussing yeah. this this entire season. And I, I don't say that yes. lightly, you know, no. given the company. <laughs> I, I agree. No, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, yeah. In fact, she's in the top of the top, even ones we haven't discussed just anything I've read and watched and seen she's the top of the top for sure she's just so complex and and it's all out there it's not even something you have to dig for or assume like oh I bet she does this I mean her sex life her family life her ideas about love everything everything is out there I mean I know Fleabag better than I know some of my friends I see that's amazing. You know? No, right? I know. And and I agree. And I don't think any of the other characters ask so much of us in terms of what mm. we are willing to accept or tolerate mm. in a character. Yeah. 
Oh, you know, I great, mean, wow, yeah. Because we've point. talked in in other episodes about how you know you love certain scenes because of how uncomfortable they make us feel, mm-hmm, right? You can mm-hmm. feel both love and cringiness at the same time. And for me, Fleabag as a character, and I mean, in this show generally, is like entirely in that uncomfortable sweet spot. You yes, never get out of yes. it. You're just permanently in it, which yes. from scene to scene, you know, you go yes. from, and, and like you said, it's only a 23-minute episode. Yeah, and yeah. yet you can go from loving her, laughing with her, wanting to have a glass of wine with her, mm-hmm. to like pitying her or being yeah. embarrassed for her or, or truly yes. disliking her. I mean, to use her own line, she's such a dick sometimes, you <laughs> I know? Love it. I love right? that. But then oh. you realize like, you know, and ultimately with the big reveal at the end of the season, which we'll discuss, yeah. you're yeah. really left asking yourself like whether she's redeemable. You know, yeah. whether you can look past what she's done and the horrible yeah. tragedy that resulted yeah. and, and still be there with her. Yeah. And I can, but yes, it's, she makes too. it hard yes. for everyone. She makes, she makes you have to think about it. Yeah. Uh, it's, so. not a, it's not a given. Well, to, the, to your point, I think we can move on to the scenes. And we yeah. have discussed beforehand that we could not you know, we generally run these episodes with a best scenes section and a best and a cringiest scenes section, but we could not distinguish be- truly between best and cringy. Every scene, every episode was just loaded with both feelings, right? Right. So, so first we decided to talk more about storylines how Fleabag relates to certain people and and what that brings out in her personality and we're just doing away with the best and the cringiest because every single one of them has has elements of both yeah and and I think that'll come through when we're talking about them absolutely and sometimes it's between one minute to the next (laughs) oh a hundred percent and sometimes she raises the stakes so much on one and then just slams you with the other right whether it's a cringy moment and then something sweet happens or it's something sweet happening and then she slams you with oh no this is not what you thought it was so we start with godmother who seems to be the easiest to say is a cringy relationship Except I actually found it to be one of the best to watch. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll go into that. But first, so Godmother, like Fleabag, has no name on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is just referred to as Godmother. And she is played by the brilliant Olivia yeah. Coleman, who yeah. is in one of my favorite shows of all time, Broadchurch. Have you seen it? Oh, I thought you were going to say The Crown. Isn't she in The no, Crown? I, she is. I Okay, like I she is the queen in The Crown, right? She, I've not seen is. the one you're talking about, though. Oh, Broadchurch. It's such a brilliant mystery. Okay. Oh, it's, it's the same feeling as when watching The Fleabag for the first time. You're like, I've never seen anything like this. And maybe it's just British television better than, <laughs> than American television. I don't I, know. Yeah. But she plays a detective in that, and it's just fantastic she's a she's, brilliant she's actress incredible. and yes. i think you're yeah. right in this is the whole storyline with with the godmother is pretty cringy but in another actress's hands it would have just been i think wouldn't oh. have the dimension or wouldn't as you uh, say make yeah. you somewhat feel for her but i i want to hear yeah. what you yes yeah well it's not so much that but i will get to it so so the first time we meet godmother 
Fleabag has come over to their house at 2 a.m. drunk, screaming into their letterbox, planning <laughs> to ask for money, which she doesn't do, but instead does steal from Godmother. Yes. So, so now Fleabag has told us, because she speaks to us directly um, as the audience breaking the fourth wall, she's told us that Godmother is terrible. Well, she says, this is my favorite, sorry, to be fair, she's not an evil stepmother. She's just a cunt. Yes. (laughs) Oh, my God. So good. So good. Yes. Sorry. Go ahead. Fleabag's, the way she comes over, not great. And then they're initial interaction I left I I personally was wondering is she just a bratty asshole maybe she can't handle her father replacing her mother you know right right. in any event we see godmother's not great but it kind of feels justified in the beginning oh yeah and that maybe she's giving Fleabag a little back of what she dishes out but then that changes certainly over the episodes or it, it escalates in both directions until episode five, when it becomes abundantly clear that she's a jerk in her own right. This is the annual memorial lunch for their mother. Mother, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And there we really see that Godmother is petty and insecure and jealous. And yes. she's truly a wedge between the father and his daughters. Her evil really shows in that episode and anything else before you knew she was evil but maybe you were like well does Fleabag push these buttons and so in that episode it escalates to full physical violence yes when godmother says your father and I always say that after a few drinks you're just like your mother and that line alone doesn't sound that bad but man the way she delivers it mm-hmm. and in the context of the whole episode and just the look on Olivia Coleman's face oh yeah. you just it you I just want to slap her it. away yes away, <laughs> yeah, yes. away. exactly so fleabag pushes her against yeah. the wall right. and then and then godmother slaps her right. which by the way i listened to a podcast uh, and that was a real slap because they kept doing fake ones and oh. Fleabag sa- or Phoebe said, you know, they're never as good. Why don't you just go ahead and try Slap a real me. one? And, oh, wow. and Olivia was like, really? And she's like, yeah, just go at it. And they did. So I love I the love. shove. You're right. I had it, I had yes. it backwards. I love that yeah. Fleabag's move is just like shove her against the wall. Yeah. And yeah. you can see her just like moved with like her whole body. Like, like so... Their whole dynamic clearly is cringy, right? They're both acting like immature brats. Mm. The whole dynamic is painful. But also because they're vicious and they're cheeky and it's also really entertaining. Yes. You know, there's there's no sense of a power imbalance, right? These are just two women being awful to each other. Yeah. I mm-hmm. never feel bad for either one of them. No. It's kind of the equivalent of like a verbal witty MMA fight. Yes. And you're wondering, you know, who's going to win? You're you're watching for the sport of it. So that in that way, it was one of the best characters for me or or relationships for me because it did feel balanced and even though it was purely evil, it was kind of entertaining. It was all for sport. But how about in the last episode, I felt a little sorry yeah. for yes. Fleabag. That's yeah. when, now, granted, she she gets back at her, but 
that was the yeah. first time where I felt, and I was like, why is she not just telling Godmother to F off? Like, I'm not going to serve your champagne glasses. Yes. I you know, agree. that, that I agree. was the only and, moment where I was like, come yes. on, Fleabag? No, 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 for sure. The, the last episode, I feel like Phoebe Waller-Bridge really pushes it to a different place. It's the whole combination of what's happening. With everything that's going on in the show, you just start to feel like this is too much. This is just too much. Right. And then their final battle between Godmother and Fleabag it, that is such a quiet heartbreak, which is interesting and brilliant because all along they're just escalating, escalating, escalating. It comes to physical violence. Then she's treating her like the help, actually worse than the help because the help is getting paid and she's, right. you know, just degrading her. Mm-hmm. And you think this is going to end with someone in the hospital. Right. But right. instead she switches it and she goes like a very soft heartbreak, which is when Fleabag is standing outside with her father and they're sort of having a laugh. And I feel like they're sort of connecting on the impossibility of the whole situation. Mm -hmm. And then Godmother comes up and he tells her she has to, Fleabag, she has to leave. And I'm like, oh man. So he's essentially choosing her. Godmother over his daughter and even though he clearly sees that she has a point and maybe this isn't all right but oh he's well, still this, just yeah just, so yeah that's a perfect segue to talking about dear old dad um yes, which is yes. the storyline that that i wanted to talk about where we first hear about her father is in the opening episode where she's at this feminist lecture with her sister and she looks at the camera and says you know dad's way of coping with two motherless Mm -hmm. daughters was to book us tickets to feminist lectures start fucking our godmother and stop calling (laughs) so that's our first introduction to this man so you know it's not gonna go well and that they must not have you know the healthiest relationship she does show up there drunk in the middle of the night yeah at their yeah. home yeah yeah and and she says one of her my favorite lines of of all you know she, he opens the door and and she says i have a horrible feeling that i'm a greedy yes. perverted selfish apathetic cynical depraved morally bankrupt woman who can't even call herself a feminist and her father looks at her and goes well or hey, you got that from your mother which was funny I you know love it, that right love so, it. i feel like that's where you you know right off the bat this is where fleabag gets it from right yeah that yeah. sounds like a fleabag line but coming from the father it just like it just feels like a real point of connection like this is who they both are they 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 can come up with the joke when you least expect it and when the person really needs it i i loved it no, absolutely. And, you know, that scene, so, you know, they have it out at the at the exhibition, this exhibition, and, and then that scene you were talking about at the end by the car when he's car, upset. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you're exactly right. He, They are very similar. And, and yes. he looks at her, you know, and he's like, I don't know where you came from. And yeah. she says, what, you think we're not the same? Yeah. And, you know, he even says, you know, why do daughters get to say they're fucked up by yes. their fathers? When it's so often the other way around. So that is y- one of you, my favorite lines ever. Right. And I don't l- think I've ever heard a line like that. I right? thought that was just, it kind of blew my mind. 
Exactly, and and you really feel for him there. Like again, the, yeah. these these scenes where line to line, you feel something completely different. So right there, yes. you're like, wow, you know what? I yeah. thought you were kind of an asshole and this distant father, but you yeah. kind of have a point there. And you're yeah. and you're both dealing with loss, you know. And yes. and and then he says something endearing, which is like, I think your mother would have admired your little performance up there. So yeah. even though he yelled at her for it and chastised yeah. her for it upstairs sure. in front of Godmother, to her mm-hmm. he's sort of like bravo, you know. That was yes. that was a pretty good performance. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But but then he, you know he's like. She she says, "Do you ever think about her?" Meaning, you know, her mother. And he says, "Yeah." yeah. Do you think about your friend? She says, "All the time." All the time. And mm-hmm. she says, "Well, I'm sorry." And you think he's about to say, "I'm sorry too," but then, like you pointed out, that's when Godmother yeah, starts walking up, and up. he says, mm-hmm. "I think you should go." When yeah. you really know he was, they were gonna, they were having a moment, yeah. and. Yeah. She just interrupted it, and yeah. the hurt in Fleabag's eyes is just—it's—it's it's haunting. Yes, yes, yes. So it's cringy because he just seems weak, and we don't really know if it's that's because he feels beaten down, or if that's just who he is, or right. what. But it is, as you say, there are so many loving moments and. It's thoughtful for him yeah, to, to do all these things. In his own and, way, that's how he yes. shows that he's thinking of them or cares about them. And they're not it, insignificant things. They're impersonal, no. you know, right. but uh, yes. they're like his sort of bumbling kind of attempt yes. to connect with them. Yeah. Yes. I can't. Yeah, I those just two are thinking. heavy. Those I, two. I know. So this lays the framework for Fleabag's interactions with men. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to the arsehole guy. Yeah, I think he's called the hot misogynist in, in her really? s- script. Yeah, it's like you said, a lot of the characters, of course, don't have names. And and I believe hot? he's the hot misogynist. It's how she says how Fleabag, this is more a function of how she just reduces people to like, yes. their basic core without... <laughs> right, right. So we While can call being- him arsehole guy if that's better <laughs> no no we could just call him the hot guy the hot guy this is yeah. the hot guy of this episode i guess it's different in the second season which neither of us have watched yet so right okay the hot guy storyline is such wonderful trickery because we witness them together we see him touching her looking at her but we don't ever know what he's thinking, and Fleabag thinks she does know what he's thinking. So she right. fills in that gap, and she explains it to us. Right. And we aren't even given a chance to think about an alternative for ourselves because she just supplies it for us. Right. Her interpretations don't feel like a jump. We see him looking at her, gazing at her, kissing her, thanking her. Of course, he's thanking her for letting him get her up the butt. Which right. <laughs> may just be more than pure affection. That's just something else. Oh, but that was great. And, and he's a strange guy, right? You're Very. Yeah. So, so nobody is sure how to take it. It's not like you're like, oh, I've seen this before. I know exactly what this guy is. He's a strange guy. He sends very mixed signals. Yes. But, but Fleabag does not seem confused at all. She seems to know exactly what's going on and she tells us. Right. It's some of his strange guy 
notions. When he catches her buying tampons, he says that she ho- he hopes she has a light flow. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> some guy might ignore ignore it. Some other, right. someone else might be embarrassed. He right. just comes out with, I hope you have a light flow. Like, what? <laughs> and then they, they get in the bath and he asks some questions that could be intimate and deep, but then they aren't at all. And then he's like, do you want some pineapple? Yeah, like right. what? What? He's super random. Are you? Yes. Right. And then, I mean, then he has very, he has moments where he's very clearly shallow and yes. self-absorbed. But and there's like then, photos of himself all over his apartment. Yes. Oh, totally, <laughs> totally. But, and, and some of my favorite uh, aspects of this relationship are how he goes on about her small tits. And Endlessly. Seems, and seems to genuinely love it, but it, but it's also so degrading. So, like the the writing, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, she keeps us on edge with this guy. You're but it's degrading. But then, right in their final scene, he's like, "Don't ever like, oh, like yes. keep your small tits." Like, I think no. he gen- I think I'm left at the end being like, "No, it's he means it truly as a positive." No, I I think he does, but the way he says it is true. I like, know. Where, where even the fuck are they? <laughs> He's like, they're just so fucking small. <laughs> right, exactly. Phoebe Waller-Bridge keeps us on edge. You're not really sure what this guy's deal is. And then we think in episode five, you get him, and it's a good thing, right? You think he's kind to her, they have that moment at the end of the episode where she says, oh, thank you. I owe you for coming. And he said, no, I, I owe you. It was so nice to spend some time with a normal family. I know. And as ridiculous as it is, he seems very genuine. Yes. And yeah. And he's like, thank you. And then he says he's quite emotional and he wants to, her to stay over. Right. And you're just thinking, oh. Yes. Like, yeah. You want this so badly for her. And not just because he's good looking, but because he seems really sincere. Yeah. And one of our themes, there's a little hint in that episode that he really sees her because they met. Do you remember how they met? Well, I know the opening scene when she's pretending. No, that, yeah, that's not how they meet, though. It's off scene. They don't do it on the show. Well, he just tells the story. That he was managing a bar and he found her crying in the bathroom. And so... How did I miss that? Yeah, it's just a throwaway line. Oh my Um, God, but what a... That's that's not a throwaway though. Wow. I know, I I know. Yes, and you think... Because you haven't seen her exercise any sort of emotion with him. But he's obviously seen that and he's... He wanted to be with her. He was attracted to her. So... There's an element of that he sees something in her that maybe we don't all see or that other guys don't see or maybe that she doesn't even let them see. Right. So you really, I mean, I was fully, fully, fully rooting for them. I was thinking, this is it. Wow. So then, okay. I didn't, I, I was, I hear all the things you're saying. I just kind of knew it was going to get fucked up. But go ahead. Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. No, I could that's... see her writing like why? Why not? I know. Of course, you're right. Fleabag ends up with the hot guy. Yeah, and he proves, and that would piss Godmother proves... off because Godmother yes. tells him at every turn how hot he is. Yes. So the last episode starts with them having sex, and he loses his erection. 
And Fleabag looks at us and tells us very confidently that she knows exactly what's happening. His blood is rushing from his penis to his heart and he is in love. Well, of course, after this exhibition, we know that he, she was actually right. She was 100% right. He is in love, but it's not with her. Her, no. And, oh. And the woman he's in love with has big tits. Disgust, yes. Right? Which is just so wrong. Of course she does. And and you with your plankness. I know. I I was just devastated because the family is always going to be the family. And it's going to be good and it's going to be bad. And it's always going to be really complicated. But I was like, this is the victory. This is the thing that she deserves. Of course, now we don't know anything. We still don't know what happens at the end, the the reveal to us at the end. But and how I about, was just thinking, how about though in that scene when he's like, you know, I know you don't care, you know, like yeah, she's like, yes. yeah, I don't, I, yeah, I don't care. I mean, I know. Well, that's certainly how she's played it, right? But but probably but, part of the front. I mean, she's the, yes. the master of putting on a front. But there is a better male dynamic that she has there is and it's not one based on a sexual attraction which is which is fairly evolved for Fleabag right Um, so the lone guy right I mean again no name we we meet him in the first episode when she has raced into his office trying to secure a small business loan for her fledgling cafe and (laughs) she's sweating and she pulls her shirt up and, you know, flashes him because she thought she had a shirt on underneath. <laughs> she starts cursing at him. She's There are F-bombs everywhere. And he yeah. throws her out. <laughs> and so now she doesn't have her loan. And she doesn't know where she's going to get the money. And then we don't, we don't meet him again until episode four, which is one of my favorite episodes, the mm-hmm. mindfulness retreat. That's what the one her father sent her and her sister to. And that... To me, the irony in this whole episode is so rich that the women are at a retreat where they're not allowed to speak. And the men, I mean, just the dichotomy between them being forced, the women, to do menial tasks in silence versus this male half of of the retreat just just taking their aggression out on a female is just priceless really but then they have this moment right such a great scene to me you know yeah. they're sharing a cigarette they're just talking they've both sort of escaped from their respective sides and he basically confesses to her like why he's there right he touched a colleague's breasts like more than once and he looks at her and he says i'm just a very disappointing man and yeah. you know then he has this soliloquy, really, that is so beautiful. And the, the music in the background, the score was actually done by Phoebe Waller-Bridge's sister. Yes. And it's just the two of them. And he says, you know, they keep asking me, what do you want from this workshop? What do you want? And he says, I want to be back home. I want to mm-hmm. hug my wife, protect my children, protect my daughter. I want to move on. I want to apologize to everyone you know, and then he, he goes on further, but just basically about the regular mundane things he'd like to do in his mm-hmm. life now. And she just mm-hmm. looks at him when he's done and says, I just want to cry 
all the time. Mm-hmm. It's so heartbreaking all the, all the time. The two main things that I love about this is one, it just shows how fucking sad she is. And I know we know this, but it also shows her ability to just forgive and her empathy, right? She, she, the last time she saw this guy, I mean, they're cursing at each other and she didn't get the loan she needs. But, but once he showed his humanity, she really related, you know, and yeah. sadness. Yeah. Like, and what he's saying to her, by the way, could very well have been come out of Fleabag's mouth, right? Yeah, I want to sure, move sure. on. I want to apologize to everyone. I'm a disappointing yeah. person. Yeah. I mean, that could have easily come out of her mouth. So it's not gender specific. It's just it's so honest and yeah, brutal. Yeah, and so complex. Yes, it's yeah. so brutal. Yeah. So I, I yeah. thought that was one of my favorite scenes. I mean, and then in the end, right? And the, then he gives her redemption. Right? The lone guy yes. comes back. Yeah. And first of all, he's the one she confesses to. And yeah. he empathizes and he comes back in with the loan application is like let's start over let's do this mm. and he's gonna be the one in the end to save the cafe as as a writer she is just so good at making everybody do double duty triple duty yeah. i mean he she could have had three characters you know one character could have sent her down a spiral another character could have been the guy at the retreat and a third character could have been her her redemption and she used them all it's so hard to do it's just and not the the first thought yeah no i know and and i know we're going to get to the sister now because she to me is that's probably one of the best examples of i don't think i've ever related to two female characters as much as i do to both yeah. fleabag and claire yeah i mean i have i have both of them yeah. in me the cold cold heart i just <laughs> claire's yes cold, cold oh my heart. gosh and that she doesn't like to be touched and she's not affectionate she's yes. type a yes why do you all. why do you think she has a name and nobody else does before we even get uh, into right i mean because well i think it's because from fleabag's point of view she clearly has the most love for her right right and the, boo and you're right those are the two with names so yeah yeah and other people have names when they need to be referenced otherwise like harry really yeah. needed a name because they needed to talk about harry mm-hmm. as the ex-boyfriend the failed relationship but other people needed names who were outside of the the everyday but claire i just think it's it's such a sign of respect right um and i don't think it's lost that neither godmother nor fleabag has a name she has far less respect for herself than she does for claire right so claire she's also protective of her right as as much as she'll go back at the end she always lets fleabag win right she lets fleabag have the last word she lets fleabag you know she just drops it because it's her little sister and you can tell that she's sick of fleabag shit but also that she won't leave right and it's right. more than obligation, I think, that keeps her close. There's definitely love. There's memories of their childhood, uh, memories of their mother. mother. Yeah. And even today, they have a shared life. It's not just all in the past. They have fun, even when she's annoying her. Yeah, and, and they, know, knows, right? they know each other so well. They do, yeah. even now, not yeah. just, just based on past. And Claire, you can tell Claire knows she's not easy to love but that Fleabag loves her and that's never in doubt and all of that is there without any of it being spoken it's all in the way they interact with each other 
And over the course of the show, their relationship is pretty even. It has its ups and downs, but they're almost immediate. It's every, uh, you know, back and forth. But true to the extraordinary writing skill of Phoebe Waller-Bridge, she doesn't leave the relationship without an arc. And I think if this arc can be summed up in one word, it's the hug, right? Yeah. The first episode after their feminist lecture, Phoebe <laughs> Fleabag tries to hug her sister, and Claire's like, just like slapping her, thinking like, she's uh, doesn't know what she's attacking her. Like, or what, what the hell are you doing? She says, "Yes, exactly. <laughs> like it's it's preposterous and confusing, and what's going on?" And then at the end of the fifth episode, after the memorial lunch. Claire steals back the statue, the, the statue that runs through the whole season. And Fleabag says, this is the coolest thing you've ever done. And Claire yeah. says, I know. And then she doesn't go in for the hug. She, Claire says, shall we? Uh-huh. And Fleabag says, we can try. Yeah. And at first they're awkward. They lean into each other all awkward. But then they settle in. Uh-huh. And it's just. I was so happy in that episode. This is one of the best storylines because there's so much love. But it is cringy, not because they sometimes go at each other, but because Fleabag doesn't back off, right? Mm -hmm. She might be right that Claire should take the promotion or that she could do better than Martin or whatever the issue is. Being right isn't always the most important thing, right? you know, Mm -hmm. and that Fleabag is supposed to push Claire, get her out of her shell, but she goes too far. It's okay to push and prod a little, but there's no ultimate acceptance. There doesn't appear to be respect for Claire's choices. Right. You know that she's that she has married this man and yes. she's staying with him and she's going to turn down the promotion and whatever challenging her is good, but when she makes her decision, she's got to at some point back off and just say I respect and accept your decisions and but the fact you- that she doesn't that's what makes it crazy. Yeah, but do you think, I agree with you, but do you think she shouldn't have told her that your husband tried to kiss me on my birthday, on your birthday? It's a great question. I think if you put that into a generic situation, like so-and-so's husband tried to kiss me, I'd lean more towards yes. But the way it comes out, Fleabag was just still pushing the same agenda, which is you should leave Martin, don't be with Martin. It's not like, I didn't get the sense she thought this guy was great and then he did this thing and was shocked. Yeah, but I think she, I felt like in that scene she was so worried that her sister wasn't going to go after what she wanted because of Martin yeah. that she just blurted it right. out like, yeah, you mean right. the husband that tried to kiss me? And yeah, I don't know. So I felt like in this instance she, it came from a better place. The irony there is don't let other people hold you back and meanwhile probably the reality is as Clara says at at lunch the people that are holding her back are Jake and Fleabag so yeah you know I don't know no it's true it's it's a tough call right yeah well yeah and you can't really tell what her motivations are or where she's coming from of course it's a place of love but how much of it is being antagonistic and how much of it where is where is the respect? I right. see the love, but where is the respect? I'm just not sure. But someone she respects plenty is Boo. Oh, Boo. I know. So now, Boo to me is is clearly one of the best 
but for the end. But yeah. for the fact that we know from the outset that she committed suicide. And then, but then with the reveal at the end, I know it turns, what what was wonderful turns so sad and, and cringy for Fleabag. But, yeah. so, but it provides so many oh, of the yes. sweetest moments in that show are absolutely i mean yeah so you she we meet boo in the first episode through fleabag telling a cab driver basically the story Mm -hmm. of boo's death right which Mm -hmm. sounds horrible because you know i forget too it's not just that boo died but three other people died that day and you know fleabag says that's when she says the line she's such a dick such a dick Uh, yes but then like you said the storyline plays out in these really beautiful flashbacks yeah. they're also genuine and they're so layered you know I, I mentioned to you that phoebe waller bridge said that the relationship with boo was really based on like a love letter to vicky jones her collaborator yes. and friend yes. so those parts you know in the flashbacks of their friendship felt just really intimate to me how boo just has this penchant for just accidental insults i love it and she's just like i'm always saying the wrong thing and she is she always accidentally insults yeah. her like about her face yeah. or her about nose. what she, yeah. her nose about that outfit yes. she was wearing and she yes. just but you can't be <laughs> mad at boo just like no. fleabag can't so this whole storyline is really like a loss of friendship and there's the loneliness yeah. that fleabag is yes. left to deal with and it obviously escalates in the last yeah. episode, you know, the final reveal when we find out that Fleabag's the one who slept with Boo's boyfriend, which uh, is yeah. what caused her to commit suicide. And then when you see it's her, I mm-hmm. was just like, no, Fleabag. I like, and I don't know about you. I'm not. A, I did not see that coming. And I'm not. But that doesn't surprise I, me. I'm not. a person I didn't. That, I didn't either. Okay. I am. And I did not see that coming. I, I am one of those people when I watch something or read something. And people be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that coming. Or I knew I don't mm-hmm. try to see things come. I don't try right. to figure it out. Right. I just right. really like it to unfold. I didn't see it coming because she set it up from the very beginning. I am going to be more honest with you, yes. camera, person sitting there behind the camera, than I am going to be with any of the people you will see me interact with. Right. So... And you notice in scenes with Boo, she never talks to us. Right. In scenes with everybody else, she does talk to us. But with Boo, she doesn't. And she's never really. And there were definitely, on the second viewing, I saw so many of the hints. So it didn't shock me in that I thought, well, that doesn't make any sense. Right, right, right. It made perfect sense. I just didn't see it coming. Not this, exactly. Because Claire's the one that reveals it. Yeah. Claire's the one that tells us once Claire spills it. Then she, and yeah. then she does, in fact, tell the lone guy, you know, yes. that that yes. I fucked my friend by fucking her boyfriend. And she yes. then she says, "Oh, and sometimes I wish that I didn't even know that fucking existed." And I yeah. know, and I know that my body, as it is now, really is the only thing I have left. And when that gets old and unfuckable, I might as well just kill I mean, it. Like, kill it, like yeah. Jesus, because yeah. she's realized, right, that. I read this in an interview with Phoebe too that you know she says this woman thought sex was something that she chased that she needed for validation for pleasure Mm -hmm. but it was also Mm -hmm. the one thing in the world that she felt destroyed everything she felt like it destroyed Mm -hmm. her relationship with her sister and it destroyed Mm -hmm. her relationship with boo yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And and by the way, again, this isn't something I saw until I was rewatching it for this podcast at the sex exhibition when Godmother says, after all, sex 
creates life. And then it flashes to Phoebe un- undoing the belt and then and Boo standing on the street. And you're like, no, in that moment, you know, sex ruined a life. Sex destroyed a life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's all there. Yeah. Whenever it got too heavy or things were too down, she always had those moments. And what about the scene where she comes back in with the coat and oh, her no. stupid hat and lets Fleabag go at her and it's get it all off her chest? Brilliant. Oh, I, just I know. loved that scene. Yeah. Their relationship, and Boo, as flawed as she was, and Fleabag, as flawed as she is, you can just see their relationship is perfect. Right. And so if, as she says, it was based on her relationship with Vicky Jones, then I just that relationship, which I already was obsessed with and have a huge amount of respect for now, it's just been mm-hmm. elevated like tenfold. And now oh I, when gosh, we yes. have lunch with Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Vicky has to come. Because, yes. I, I mean, yes. <laughs> in our yes. fantasy lunch, we need yes. both of them. It's the four of us. Yes. It's the four of us. Table for four. Oh. All right. So we'll we'll move into what's your damage, Heather, <laughs> which is really not something we have to dig particularly deep for because as you've already given us the quote, Fleabag comes right out in the first episode and tells us exactly what her damage is. I have a horrible feeling I'm a greedy, perverted, selfish, apathetic, cynical, depraved, morally bankrupt woman who can't even call herself a feminist. I think that's that's the best summation of damage we've we've encountered right and and even that (laughs) short line to the cab driver so yeah i'm alone and Mm -hmm. and, i mean we've already discussed that you know the the fact that her mother's died her father's in a relationship with this wicked godmother she's got a complicated relationship with her sister i mean there's 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 no shortage of damage here no no in every aspect i read an article about how it's it said unhappiness and emotional distance is a family trait uh, you know in the in the whole fleabag family and it said which i didn't notice at least twice an episode in fleabag season one someone asks someone else if they're okay and they reply Mm. that yes they're fine totally fine yes and (laughs) nobody is fine Least of all Fleabag, no. right? No. No, but then there's, do they really want to know? And and how do you begin to explain to them all the things that aren't fine when, you know, you're like on the verge of falling apart, but right. you're just keeping it together in the moment. So you say, fine, everything's fine. Well, because she's, yes, everyone's putting on a front to yeah. a certain extent. Yeah. Everyone like, on the show and everyone in yes, life. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Do we need to recap Fleabag's damage just real quick. Yeah, feel free. I, I know that could touched, take a while, though. <laughs> I know. We, I know exactly. I know we touched on all of it, but so we have her godmother is torturing her with insults, driving a wedge between her and her weak-willed father, who would rather stick his head in the sand than stand up for, frankly, any woman he loves. It's not just Fleabag. It's not like he stands up for godmother either. And that father seems to have set the mold for the kind of partner Fleabag wants, mm. like weak-willed Harry. Her sister is an overachiever whom she will never live up to, not that she's particularly trying. She had sex with her best friend's boyfriend and Ugh. thus contributed to the, her accidental suicide. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, what, that's the flea bag we're looking at. Yeah, but other than that, she's doing great. Now we can turn to the brilliant uh, creator of very funny, very damaged but very funny flea bag, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. 
Love, love, love. Yeah. And I mean, there's certainly no shortage of interesting articles and interviews and essays with Phoebe, right? Yeah. The deep dive took us real deep. Oh, my gosh. Days and days. But I loved every minute of it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, because you can find articles, obviously, about Fleabag, but she also wrote Killing Eve, which is a huge hit. So there's tons of stuff out there about that. She's a media darling, really, right now. Her interviews are great because she is, as you would think she is, clever and funny, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but honest. So yeah. she gives and a great she, interview. She does. She's And she's also really open. Yes. You know, she talks a lot about the creative process. She talks about um, her childhood. She talks about her time at RADA, the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts. Mm-hmm. She's talks about the evolution of Fleabag and how she got tired of auditioning for girls who just, she said this, girls who cry or have abortions. <laughs> so she took things into her own hands, and it wasn't a simple process. Um, she talks about a lot about the evolution of her relationship with Vicky, her one-woman show, and then how she translated that to television. I mean, she will break down every bit of all of that. And it, I've listened to just hours of, of her talking, and they're all phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and obviously Amazon agrees because she's just signed a yeah. $20 million mm-hmm. development deal with them. So there's there's yes, going to be a lot more, more Phoebe. Yeah, no more Fleabag, but lots more Phoebe. Yes. I wanted to talk about the narrative structure of Fleabag. And, oh, and you know, she's asked in so many of these interviews about this breaking the fourth wall and, yes. and sort of why she set it up that way. It was a device, this looking into the camera, that she she thought mm-hmm. allowed her to play with this idea of control of, of her own narrative. And mm. it, it's a way of bringing the audience in, right? And she said in the beginning, right. it's this really fun, hey, come into my life. This is going to be hilarious. You right. know, you're going to follow me on all these fun sexual adventures and I'm going to be really funny. And... It's sort of a kind of, she said, complicit friendship with the audience, which I absolutely agree with. Fell for. Yes. You know, and I was talking to um, someone the other day and I said we... I was talking about Fleabag, and and the woman said, oh, my God, the minute she turns in that first Mm, episode mm -hmm, and talks to mm -hmm. the camera, I was hooked. And that's exactly how I feel. I mean, I I thought it was exactly that, that I felt like I was in the friendship, right? Yeah, and not only – yeah, because exactly, you're in the friendship because not only is she just talking to us, she is immediately like – let me tell you a secret. Yes. Do you ever have a guy who calls you and then you pretend and and she really sets it up that she's going to she's essentially lying to everyone else but I won't lie to you. And she like looks at us and she doesn't say that but that's the promise that yes. she makes us. And that's how you feel. Yeah, you're so drawn in. Yeah. And she yeah. said though that if that's where we start you know that that has to break down because mm. Mm. she said she said that's such a difficult thing to maintain for anybody because it's a front. Yes. And I feel yeah. like that idea of a front, you know, she said, I can recognize in my own life that you put yourself together so you appear to be like a together person and you go out into the world with this sense of this, like, oh, I'm totally in control. But right. she said she loved the idea of that underneath it all you know what's really going on so she said it was that kind of dichotomy of experience I really wanted to play with and this I love she said 
the relentlessness of being witnessed means mm. that she, meaning Fleabag, eventually has to break down because you can't mm. keep that front up. And mm-hmm. she said it's this nightmare because you feel like you constantly have to perform. Yeah. And so she said, obviously, by the end, that pressure, under that yeah. pressure, you have to crack because wow. Fle- because Fleabag wasn't being honest and she wasn't right. being truthful. And she said, right. I think that her journey was to have the front eventually slide so right. we can see who she really is and what she's really hiding. And that's yeah. exactly the journey she takes you on, right? And yeah, all because yeah. of this really brilliant structure that she created so that yeah. by the end you you really, yeah, it breaks down before your eyes and you, mm-hmm. you feel the pain with her. Yes, yes. So I and thought you that don't, was great. Yeah, and you don't see it coming because mm-hmm. you want to just believe in her. I didn't see it coming that I would feel have lied to, that she withheld such a big piece of information about. right. And but I loved it. Oh yeah, I, I didn't feel betrayed. I felt like oh man, I felt the pain with her. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. felt the shared heartbreak, and I, yes. that's because of the brilliance of how she she mm. structured this and shocked about specifically the mechanics of it, the camera, how she would look at it, and you'd have a conspiratorial feel between you two, and then by the end, how it's looming on her, and it's crowding her and everyone's feeling uncomfortable and part of it is the subject matter was getting uncomfortable but also it's true the the mechanics of it the shots were 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 reflecting that as well that we were bearing down on her like tell us what's really going on here what are you hiding right I love an unreliable narrator yes we'll have lots of those so what what is your your favorite quote okay so I loved all I I really had a hard time choosing and this one was from how to fail by elizabeth day which by the way i just highly recommend that podcast they dig deep into failures and how to look at them and how you process them and and it's it's just a great show if you are interested in the other side of success because it's all wildly successful people oh i'll check it out elizabeth day asks her have you sort of always been this way and Phoebe says I've always gotten a kick out of saying something that is truthful yet feels taboo she says taboo I love it (laughs) (laughs) I'm not interested in gratuitous chat or saying anything to shock because usually that stuff feels false but to call the elephant in the room yeah that's always been a pastime of mine and (laughs) something I feel energized by I loved that quote oh that's great right much to the annoyance of normal human beings that are raised with manners and decorum I like to be like this I love to poke and prod and provoke and um, I'm always trying to push people out of their comfort zones yes but sometimes the way I do it it's just too aggressive it works better on on a show maybe on this podcast right they can cut they can come here and find me instead of me at the cocktail know, party yeah, attacking. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm like going hard. around poking Listen. every person at the same bar or party that I'm I at. Know. It's just not okay anymore. It's not okay for them. It's not okay for me. But it's so fun. Sometimes it's fun. I'm so 
I love it. Well, I don't, well, you know, her saying you call the elephant in the room, the elephant in the room. I mean, I'm extremely direct. You know that. I'm not, I'm not necessarily a poker. Sometimes just for fun. You're right. But, but but you calling the elephant an elephant. I don't understand why people have a problem with that. I realize now that they do, but I'm like, what's what it's an elephant. Like, are are we supposed to call it? You know, a rabbit? I mean, what? what, Yes. I don't. You are. I just don't get that. But I don't know. Maybe that is poking, and I think it's not. So, Phoebe, most recently in her Vogue interview, she says sometimes you feel it's braver to say something outrageous, and it's not always. Sometimes it's braver to say the vulnerable thing. Oh, I love that. I have that one too. And this is sort of, so it's not just what you say, but it's how you say it, right? And this is something I've really learned the hard way. Yes. Besides at, at cocktail parties, I thought it was brave to say something outrageous just to get people thinking. Mm -hmm. And I've done this in my writing and Sometimes what I've said is not necessarily 100% true, but I'm like, oh, it's close enough and it's provocative. Yeah. I'll, but I've learned that ends up making people defensive. Yes. So I once wrote an essay where I said that my two birth experiences, meaning I have two children and the way I gave birth, should earn me a medal. So my first birth almost killed me, but like actually literally almost died, but I made it through and that's kind of a big deal (laughs) kind of yeah (laughs) yeah the second one I went natural all the way and I wasn't scared despite how horrible my first one was which I also thought was kind of a big deal of course I also said some stupid shit as if if you have give birth any other way or if you're not taunting death and unworldly levels of pain then like eh yeah. Maybe I'm not that impressed, which right. is just with my stupid. two C sections. You're not yes. impressed that my stomach was cut open and my <laughs> organs were put on a table. I mean, what's the big deal? <laughs> I mean, All that right. really wasn't the point. Was mm-hmm. I said something outrageous that could make people think or not? But the truth of the matter is that was the outrageous version of the vulnerable thing, and the thing I didn't say, which was at the time, I was terribly afraid that I was failing as a mother. My son, my first was colic. I could not comfort him. I never got either of my kids on schedules. Terrible at sleep training, at any kind of, uh, you know, structured life. No, sorry. (laughs) Yeah. So what I was saying when I wrote that was, I might be a shit mother, but let me tell you, I dominated giving birth. Right. Like, I almost died. Yes. Like, look at me. I'm still here. That's something to champion but the whole thing was just completely born out of my own insecurities and I didn't say anything like that so I wasn't able to say the vulnerable thing so I said the outrageous thing and it's just not as good it didn't make me feel good when it would have made me feel better to actually say the vulnerable thing maybe in an outrageous way maybe I could have positioned the two together right but I didn't and so yeah I mean yeah it's hard but it she's right it matters how you say things and the context depending what you want and I think mm-hmm. you know the the sentence or two before that because I had this quote written down too was she says because if you rant and rave if you try and make noise you'll be labeled noisy you yes. have you have to be careful of that and i think women in particular have to be careful of that and yes. i don't and i'm sh- i know you don't want to advocate that 
women don't speak up for themselves. But there is a lot of times and circumstances where we can be labeled shrill or too aggressive. And you can make your point, right? But in the same way and possibly in a more effective way, I think she's saying, if you think about the context and how you communicate it. And I Mm -hmm. think for us, I'm with you, like you, we sometimes default to the aggressive way or maybe the provocative way or to be heard and you end up not being heard. You end up, you know, being discounted instead or you end up offending people. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've, we, I think we talked about this a little bit on another episode. We shouldn't have to walk on eggshells or choose our words so wisely that we are really end up being afraid of standing up for ourselves and saying whatever's on our mind. But you cannot deny that it's true how and when and where and what context you say something is it matters. Right. And it will matter to how you are heard. Right. And that's I'm presuming most people want to speak to be heard. Yes, exactly. Another one I just want to mention. I think this one was UK Vogue about female rage. Mm, And, you know, she said it feels like recently a lot of female anger has been unleashed articulated anger which is exciting Mm. for me because I've always found female rage very appealing Mm -hmm. and she talks about her experience at RADA and how she felt like there were just all these passive princess parts and she complained Mm. to a director like why can't I do a role where she's the agent of her own violent destiny like where are those parts and so this director saw something in her and actually wrote her the part of an angry young woman and Mm. he said It's because you have the gift of rage. And she said, I realized that's what I'm always looking for because I don't think it necessarily has to be a negative thing. I think rage can be something that motivates and galvanizes and changes things. She said, while anger stews, she says rage is active. It has forward Mm. motion to it. And she said, I think rage can be harnessed. I find it exciting in women. That's something that goes through my work for sure. As someone who often Uh, feels angry inside, I think I'm going to refer to it as ragey instead because I feel like that, based on what she's telling me, is a more productive emotion. That's so interesting. Do you think of, well, I I guess maybe just to circle it back to Fleabag, since we don't know Phoebe Waller-Bridge, but do you think she's rageful or angry or where? Mm. I know, right? It's not, I, I, yeah. I mean, I think she's got a lot of, see, I would have said anger about her, the loss of her mom and Mm, and sort of being left now with her dad, who's obviously, you know, sort of abandoned her in some way. It's really interesting. And I know you haven't watched Killing Eve yet, but, you know, one of them uh, is a hired assassin. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so I, 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 she kills people. Yeah, I know the premise. Um, that, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. But maybe that's what she's yes, saying: is exactly. that it's just productive. Yes, and that by doing something, you're ridding yourself of it. And whether that's something, and I wonder if she'd say whether that something is, as in Villanelle's case, killing people, or maybe in Fleabag's case. I don't having sex with people. I don't, I don't know. It's interesting to think about it because Fleabag doesn't come off to me. The the first thing I think is not angry or rageful. Grief for yeah. sure. Guilt ridden. Yes. Funny. 
mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of adjectives I'd put before, but that's, it's, but maybe not. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe it has a quietness. And we know in the one woman show that, well, you do know, that, right? We talked about this yeah. already? That she kills the uh, guinea pig. Oh, no, we didn't talk about this. Oh. I, I didn't know this. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, she strangles the guinea pig. <gasps> oh, so th- uh, yes. some rage there. Oh, yes, exactly. Wow. Oh, yeah, a little bit more maybe in the one woman show than we got on screen. She has said all the executives she works with were wonderful and really let her do her thing. But they pretty much were like, nope, sorry, you can't kill any guinea pigs. <laughs> Because I was going to say, why didn't that make it into the TV show? Well, I guess that's, that's why. That's where they drew the line, apparently. But you know what? Go back, honestly, go back and watch episode three. And it, it's the one where really everything's falling apart. And if everything feels terrible to her. It's after the sister's, Claire's birthday party. It's after... Martin tries you know, to kiss of, her. Yeah. Yeah. Martin tries to kiss her and she has horrible sex with that guy with the teeth oh god so everything's just a a freaking mess and she takes the guinea pig out of the cage and she holds it and you can see she's holding it a little too tightly but then she brings it into her lap and I'm like okay and it's such a good launching point for the next two episodes because it's going to get worse but there's going to be some sort of love and self-acceptance somewhere along right, the line here right it's it's a real turning point that moment's the very end of the third episode it's real i should go so, back and watch again so we're gonna sadly kind of skip the crystal ball for for fleabag one because we already know there's another season and also that segment doesn't really lend itself to tv yes we're going to talk about supporting characters instead yes. right exactly yes we'll bring back this segment that that's sometimes there, sometimes not there. But I thought it was a good one in this. Yes. In, in Fleabag. So sh- where, where should we start? Well, who do you want to see more of? Uh, well, so I, you can start with who do you want to see more of. Or I'll start with who I want to cut, which was very easy for me. Did you no, even start, think about that? Yeah, I did. But you tell me. You, 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 oh, it, it was Jake, the stepson. Oh, yeah. okay. That I'm was not, only one scene, but it really, yeah. it, it well, was creepy and, enough. And I agree yeah. with you to hope that to never have to know about and, that again. Well, and they, and they reference him in <laughs> yes, other Yes, no, points. they do. They so absolutely do. It's not just, yes, there is, it's not even really on screen. But no, I don't know that that really added anything to the whole situation i agree with you claire using that as a reason was such a pretense i mean uh, if she really had a relationship with this stepson then you know that would be a reason to give because obviously saying you want to stay for your husband when that relationship was so i don't know right and right and if on screen There was a dynamic between, or even if we had heard her speaking so lovingly about the stepson. I mean, it's not that she's, that, that yeah, he's no. the stepson. It's just that I don't know. That didn't add much dimension to me. So, and it, it was creepy. But, you know, that's what Fleabag does. Yeah, see, he I never. Makes things creepy. Yes. And, and I never wanted to see the tooth guy again. Yeah. Oh, oh I mean. I don't really get that. I mean, other than to suggest that she'll fuck anybody. I mean, is that the point of him? 
who yes. who she said he has having sex with him was like having sex with a protractor. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Great but bony. When he smiles, yes. And those teeth come out when she first meets him on the bus. I'm like, "Oh, this is a joke, right?" I mean, she's not actually yeah. going to keep talking to him. And then I thought, was it just like sport for her? But then she actually invites him you yes. know, to, to meet her family. And I, I just kept thinking, like, I don't get this oh, so much. Well, it's, I mean, part of it is, and the dichotomy that she sets up between the two people she invites to family functions, right? Yes. Or the him, hot guy. And yeah. then the super hot guy. Yeah. So she's setting, she's meeting expectations. This is who they think and who says, oh, you guys are such a good-looking couple? Oh, or, Godmother, of course, because she's Godmother, awful. And she yes. wants her to say that this is a perfect match for you, the guy with the gnarled yeah. teeth. Exactly, who's who's painfully also annoying. It's not even oh, just his so teeth. so annoying. Yes. So, no, I I don't think you can cut that. I I didn't love, like him, but I don't think you can cut it. Well, I, I, I put it, yeah. I have maybe I... I have it as who do I never want to see again. Yeah. And I don't okay. know if that was the criteria. Okay. I think okay. you're right from a narrative point of view. He it does serve a purpose. But if you're just asking me personally who I never right. want to see again, that would be him. It's him. So so when you rewatch it again, you're just going to fast forward. Yeah, I just can't. The teeth. Oh, and then when they're in the sex shop and he just doesn't oh, get so it. Good. But oh that God, was hilarious. I love that. Love it. <laughs> Yeah, you have, no, you have your vagina, yeah, I have my vagina on me right now. No, you do? Yeah, you, I'm, I'm going to leave have, with it. <laughs> Whatever. You have one of these? <laughs> A oh vagina. My, yes. Yes. Oh, it was great. What about who you wanted to see more of? So uh, this was an easy one for me. It is the person who had the most impact on the drive of the show, who we see almost none of. Which is Boo's boyfriend. Oh, that is such a good answer, Corinne. Because he <gasps> is... Yes. He, you know, certainly no one is blaming Fleabag alone. It's just He's just not part of the story. But I want to hear his side. Like, excuse me? Like, what, why did what you happened? hook up yes. with her best friend yes. when you were with Boo? Yes. And what's going on there? I want to know your damage. I want to know your deal. What's yes. going on? Yeah. And when she sees him in the shoe store, I mean, he does, he has that like look in his eye. He, he, yeah. he, I want, you're right. Oh, I love that answer. Yeah. And he seems to be with a new woman. I No, I exactly. Mean, was, did Boo never mean anything? Mm-hmm. So it's that Boo never meant anything. Fleabag didn't mean anything. You know, I, I, Look, I want to know everything about that guy's story. Yeah. Oh, I love that. See, yeah. so I have two, but really one is not fair because it, it's she's too much of a main character. But I really love Claire. And yes. I just want to know, like, the Claire side story. Like, why yes. is she married Martin? What does she actually yes. do for a living? I mean, she's so successful, yeah. but I want to know right. what she does. I right. want, like, I the creepy stepson, like we talked about. Like, yes. what's the yes. deal with that? I just yeah. feel like, and again, this is a, a compliment to to Phoebe, but she has, Claire has such a complicated character, too. And mm-hmm. she has, like, a lot of yes. layers. And I want to get into her cold, cold heart. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but that's, she's too much of a that. main character. So then yeah. on a more obscure front... I wanted to know who, more about who the guy in the graveyard is and why is he crying oh. 
Why is he wandering a, a graveyard yeah. and crying? I mean, all the also we haven't talked about this. And why is Fleabag jogging in a graveyard where her mother yeah. buried every day? Yes, yes. Talk about a morbid. <laughs> there, there are two. Yeah, uh, yeah. But anyway, no, what's with that guy? So good with. But she's so good with throwing those layers on. I mean, any she could be jogging anywhere. Right. But does Phoebe Waller-Bridge let Fleabag jog anywhere? Nope. No, she does not. Just like she That's doesn't funny. let her have a normal masturbation experience. We also right? haven't talked about my favorite part. Yes. Or she yes. masturbates to an Obama speech. Yes. You've got to be kidding me. Yes. I mean, so brilliant. Like she's turned on by the smart, powerful <laughs> man Who's a great orator? I mean, yes. this is what gets her hot. This is yes. brilliant to me. But by yes. the way, and also goes right along the lines with opposites attract because he's such a uniter and Fleabag is such a divider. <laughs> She's she is tearing everyone apart. Yeah, that's so true. So oh. so yeah, those are that's a, yeah yeah that's, that's what I would one. choose, but. And they have like that little moment of connection at the end of the the episode yes. where she's running in the graveyard and he, she waves to him and she's kind of like, yeah, I see you. I know you're crying at someone else's gravesite every single day, but it's it's cool. I'm just going to wave to you. Right. But she, you know, and when she describes him to Claire, she she makes him seem like, like yes. an asshole, like it's yes. all an act. He goes around. But then, but then you think... I don't who's he putting on the act for I mean it's not like he's sitting there doing it in yeah. front of women right. to like get them you know he's by right. himself right so who knows maybe he's just <sighs> a person who feels deeply for those who are departed I have no idea right no so it's, it's that was interesting a, that, yeah. that was a good one I liked that one and also you just highlight even more the the layers that Phoebe Waller-Bridge puts into this show it's so freaking good exactly so good all right those so are good takeaways we got glad we take away so mine there's a quote that i love and some people uh, attribute it to banksy but it's not it's from a man named caesar cruz who is a gang violence prevention advocate the first male mexican-american immigrant to earn a doctorate at Harvard's education leadership program. The quote is, art should comfort the disturb and disturb the comfortable. Ooh. Which, yeah. yeah. I mean, that is, to me, the, the part that I am always seeking. As someone who consumes art, whether you call it art or entertainment, mm-hmm. not intending to be sort of highbrow about it, it uh, or if you call art. it pop fiction just yeah saying. exactly <laughs> it, just yeah picking so, a, a name here <laughs> as someone who, who consumes that and also produces it I, I think that and and also ties back to our idea how sometimes the best scenes and the cringiest scenes are the same yeah because they make you uncomfortable and and that's a good feeling to be uncomfortable just to think about things a little bit deeper. But also sometimes those cringy scenes are comforting that you know you're not alone. You know you're not the only person who's made a mistake exactly. in their lives. And who, yeah. So so and I think that quote, although it's not from Phoebe Waller Bridge or Fleabag, I think it really 
nails why uh, Fleabag, the show, is so popular. I love that. And to tie back to, to Phoebe, be outrageous, but also be truthful and be vulnerable too. Oh, I there, love this. Yeah, there's there's nothing there's nothing more I could possibly get from from Fleabag and Phoebe Waller-Bridge. We've really learned a lot because I'm going to share my takeaway, which is also somewhat introspective for me. Well, so I want to be more like Boo. That is my takeaway, oh, and I want I want wow. because I'll tell you why. Because okay. I, I want to remember like she does that people make oh. mistakes but that's yeah. why they put rubbers on the end of pencils that, that was moment. my favorite moment but it also really taught me a lesson so that flashback which we didn't talk yes. about was when no. phoebe's reading this article i'm sorry phoebe yes. fleabag's reading yeah, this article like- about an 11 year old boy who goes to juvie for sticking <laughs> pencils up the class hamster's butt and boo's reaction why would they do that but, but why would they lock him up? And, and Fleabag's like, he pencil fucked a hamster, boo. And she just looks at her and goes, obviously, he's unhappy. Happy people don't do that. And then she goes, and anyway, that's the very reason they put rubbers on the ends of pencils, because people make mistakes. And so I, I thought I so personally, good. right, can be very judgmental, very black and white. But recently, you know, I've been trying to see more of the gray. Mm. And I just love how Fleabag and Phoebe Waller-Bridges push us, right, to see how people are never really all one thing. And that people's bad acts don't necessarily define them, right? You can do a bad thing or make a bad choice, but not be a bad person, right? Right. Right. And Boo is teaching me this because maybe that person's (sighs) unhappy or hurting in some way that you can't see and you just don't know and things are messy and that's okay because there are rubbers on the ends of pencils and so I loved that moment so much because it was so surprising she's talking about a kid sticking pencils up a, a rodent's ass and then she comes out with this beautiful like sweet moment of yes. people make mistakes ah and so and good. Fleabag looks at the camera in between and says she was a very surprising person. And that's mm. exactly right. Like Yes. But oh, I just love that. And I wanna Yay. I wanna be more like Boo. Except right. for the except for how she, you know, commits yes. suicide in her ending. Yes. I don't wanna be I would like no. to share no. some more of her what I think is very thoughtful yes. innocence, but but it's right. I I really enjoyed Boo, and I really like that takeaway. That was nice. I like that. Oh, yeah. Let's be more like Boo. Yes. And I love that we have these, like, really sweet takeaways from a show that's raunchy, <laughs> See? Full, of, full of good good British humor and sex and masturbation and... That's okay. It's complicated, right? It's all complicated and embrace the messiness. That's right. Oh, I mean, all of our themes just coming back. All right, Kate. Excellent. We want to let you know we've launched a Patreon page where supporters can receive perks like bonus episodes and exclusive content. Because Pop Fiction Women is our passion project, a place where we give women space to show up and offer in-depth analysis in the ways we're used to hearing about male creators and their characters. 
We delve into creativity and psychology with a dash of astrology, and we have so much fun doing it. Just two friends breaking down books, movies, and shows like Normal People, Fleabag, and I May Destroy You. Every single aspect of this podcast we do ourselves, from the preparation to the recording, from the editing to the social media promotion. So we're adding a Patreon platform because we want to keep making the show you love and hopefully expand it even further. So please consider becoming one of our most complicated fans and contributing on Patreon. To learn more, go to patreon.com forward slash pop fiction women. This has been Pop Fiction Women with Corinne and Kate. If you enjoyed this show, please tell the complicated women in your life. And the men who love them. Yes, tell them to listen. And then to follow on Spotify or review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And of course, share on social media. Tag us with your favorite books, TV shows, and movies starring complicated women on Facebook and Instagram at popfictionwomen or on Twitter at pop underscore women. For more coverage of the women you love or to find out if you qualify as a complicated woman, go to popfictionwomen.com. And keep it complicated.